Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. No Well, I really like that name tag. Only need to make one copy, though. We have been working our way through the passage, John 4, Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 6, well, verses 1 through 26. We're on verse 16 right now. And... This is also the third and, I believe, final uh, look, as far as I'm going, with, with this. And my thinking on this was, in fact, in the issue that I had of viewing a little video about a certain group called the, uh, um, I think they were called the, uh, the Family, or something else of that sort. Anyway, based in Washington, D.C., and th- their book, the book they take with them is a little black book that looks, looks a lot like this one here, but it's just got the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the Acts in it. And um, not only do they have that book, they say this is the only book you need and you don't need the rest of the Bible. And I, I think that is, that's... Um, that's a great error there as far as the well-being of those that you're talking to. Talking about Jesus is a wonderful thing, but what if somebody asks you, what's it all about? Well, you're really not going to find it in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You're going to find, it looks like you're, you're starting in the middle of the book somewhere, and 
you don't know what came before. Well, that's my problem, but <clears throat> I can really tie that to the, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman that came to the well. You know, she's, she's not, even though she's related to the Jewish people, she's not a Jewish person, and she may not even know all of their history. She probably knows more than a lot of people do today, but um, she was... She needed a lot of information, and she had a she had a kind of a nationalistic flair, if you will, the way I look at it, for her Samaritan brethren, um, and she really thought maybe they were being mistreated a little by the Jewish people from Jerusalem. And uh, I don't know if we're going to read that passage. I, I think we will about where it says she says you people say. Uh, about worship well the thing that she's missing and the thing that the folks in Washington D.C. are missing is who is it that said it this begins with what God says what God says in Genesis 1-1 his declaration his proclamation Um, they worshipped in Jerusalem because God told them to and that's what she didn't know. But Jesus was going to tell her a whole lot about that. And it starts here, and uh, I'm going to back up to, I'll start with verse 13 and read through 19. 13 through 19. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone that drinketh of this water shall thirst again. He's talking about the well water. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall become in him a well of water springing up unto eternal life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come all the way hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go. Call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said unto him, I have no husband. Jesus saith unto her, Thou saidest, Well, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. This hast thou said truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. (laughs) Boy, I'll tell you, the humanity that we find in in these passages is incredible. But, you know, she wants that living water because if she thirsts no more, she won't have to come out to that well probably twice a day and get water and haul it back. So she's thinking about the water in more, a little bit more of a physical way. than. But Jesus doesn't chastise her for that. He knows where she's at. He's bringing her along at a speed that is going to be useful to her. And, you know, he could have said a lot of things. He could have said, well, you see, you're a Samaritan. You don't even understand what I'm saying. You just don't have a spiritual way about you. No, he didn't say that. 
because he really loves this woman. He really loves the Samaritans. Of course he does. And then he says something to her concerning bringing her husband. In other words, let's all talk together. Well, Jesus understood the situation she was in. And what can we say about it? She's had five husbands. I don't know. Maybe all five of them died. But we do know the one that she had now was not her husband, whatever that means. Even with that, Jesus only says that she told the truth. Does she know her situation? Oh, yes. She knows it very well. Jesus knows that she knows her situation. And everybody in the little town she lived in probably knew her situation. But she, she ends it with, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. Well, you know, that's almost changing the subject. But it certainly was true, wasn't it? In that, in that sense. This woman could see a number of things about Jesus. Not, not to a full understanding, not to real knowledge, but Jesus said he was the giver of living water. A water that would, they would never thirst again. She was thinking it as never getting thirsty physically again, but she was going to learn that it had a little deeper meaning than that. Also, Jesus was, and it could be clearly seen, that he was a prophet of God. He was also the apostle of God because he came from God. Jesus is the apostle of God, the only one there ever has been. That's found in Hebrews. Jesus, the more we read, the more we know about Jesus. The more she talked to Jesus, the more she knew about Jesus. The more Jesus spoke to her, the more she understood about the big picture, what was actually happening in her world, who she was as the Samaritans, who the Jews were. You see, she was a Samaritan that had an understanding about the coming Messiah, the Redeemer. I might add that her explanation of the Messiah as being the one that would come and tell them everything they needed to know as a teacher, was it probably a better understanding than what the Jews were saying, he was going to be their king and throw the Romans out. So in some ways, she was, she was thinking on a little better level there. Now the kingdom of Christ indeed defeats all other kingdoms. There's no question about that. But as far as information goes, what we learn from Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, and his apostles is the basis to everything that we hope for in this life. Now Jesus, the Messiah, is, as we know, the author of the faith. The faith, that is all that there is to being a part of the family of God through faith. We, don't, we can't purchase it. We can't be born into it in a physical way. 
We can't sneak around or climb over the door or the wall. We need to come into the family in the way that God has prescribed through the terms of pardon that allows a person that has sin to put away their sin and become part of the family of God, a child of God. Let's read on, verse 20 through 26, and we'll talk about those verses. Now here the, the Samaritan woman is <clears throat> beginning her dissertation on the Samaritans and the Jews, the difference between them, and she wants Jesus to know, she wants this man to know about what's been going on, and I don't believe she's really... Um, she's asking a question, but in the form of um, her, her comments, if you will. He, she says, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. <clears throat> and you say, that is, and, and you say, that is, and the Jews say, right, that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. So Jesus responds unto her, Woman, believe me, this hour cometh when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship the Father. You, that is the Samaritans, worship that which you know not. Here's where we get into the knowing business. We worship, that is the Jews worship, that which we know. And of course this know, uh, in, in, uh, outside of the first verse in this chapter, this know is the know that means uh, a fullness of understanding, the full knowledge. Odi, I believe it's, I would pronounce it. Uh, I have it written... Um, So there's, there's an understanding there, and he said it very clearly. The, so, the Samaritans really did not have all the information they needed. They had forgotten that God has requirements, requirements of worship. And just because they were into the, the northern kingdom and had those that were there then had been brought back, filtered back in from years before. Remember, the northern kingdom was... 722 B.C., they were taken away to the north and dispersed amongst the nations. Those were the ten tribes of the Jews. Some of these, the Samaritans, are some of the remnants of those. But there were a lot of intermarriage and as far as the being, uh, keeping the family line pure. No, they, they weren't. So some people call them cousins. <laughs> um, <clears throat> however you look at it, they were not living under the Jewish mandate at that time. Well, the narrative begins with the woman giving her understanding of worship towards God. And that word worship, I think there's um, seven or eight different descriptions or different definitions for the word worship in the Greek. Now, we wouldn't know that by looking at our Bible. It doesn't really clarify it. But this worship 
is the worship uh, within the grammar and the spelling of this word. It means to bow down, to prostrate oneself in reverence, pretty much on your face, laying out flat. Use, therefore, of the acts of worship. In other words, it gives you a a word picture of what worship was. You remember when the the apostles did that in the boat, when Jesus uh, calmed the storm or, or... when he took them to the next place. There was two or three accounts, but in one account, they worshipped him. They were laying on their face in front of him. That's the word, the same word, and you can bet that was it there. Uh, it's known as an attitude of worship. In other words, um, the, it's the highest physical attitude or humbleness towards God to be in that position. Um, we don't do that. There's a long history of uh, the the uh, posture of worship amongst people, and it's um, it's another another study. But you know, it starts right here. It has to be right here in your heart first, before you go into some uh, physical movements. You better make sure it's actually here. Nonetheless, that's the, that's the word that she used. It's also the word that Jesus used. They both used the same word. They were both talking about the same act of worship. The difference was that the Jews were doing so, or supposedly, most of them, in light of wisdom and, and a real understanding and under the order of the covenant they had with God. You know, we hear about the Jewish covenant, the old covenant, um, uh, you know, all the, under the law and prophets, uh, all of the different phrases. That, that's how the Jews were worshiping, under those, re, under those orders uh, and under the requirements of the, the uh, covenant that God had put in place through Moses and had kept alive through the prophets and all that came that, that followed. That was in comparison to what the Samaritans were doing. And they were probably doing a number of things. It sounds like they were going, you know, there was a mountain pretty close to where this city was too, uh, just off to the southwest a little bit. It could have been that they used to go up there, they had something built. I know there were a number number of uh, uh, temples built all through Palestine. Some of them were to Jehovah. Were they authorized? No, not that I know of. The Bible doesn't say. The one in Jerusalem, of course, was. I don't know what was going on there. I don't know what she was referring to, except they didn't go to Jerusalem. You know why? They couldn't have got in. They couldn't have got through the gate, probably, uh, into the temple area because they weren't Jews. You know, there was a big sign outside of that uh, where you entered into the, the temple area and it said that was the sentence of death for anyone that wasn't a Jew to go through that opening and they weren't kidding you know somebody found that sign somebody found that and it's been recorded that that was there uh, I think that's incredible But anyway, she knew about these things. 
Now let's, let's look at Jesus' words in verse 22 again. You worship that which you know not, and we worship that which we know. <clears throat> Was he trying to impress on her that the Jews had a true understanding, whereas they did not. I believe he was. And I, and I think that because of the, his demeanor and all that he was doing, I think she was really, uh, it was pretty easy for to believe what Jesus was saying to her. What it says, actually, if we look at the Greek closely, in that verse, it, it's for the salvation is out of the Jews. The salvation being the only salvation that, that is useful to you. Um, someone may have saved someone's bacon uh, many, many times, but that's not what we're talking about here. This is the salvation. This is the remitting of your sins against God to make you clean in his, in his um, presence. It is out of the Jews. In other words, it comes from the Jews. It doesn't come from the Samaritans. It doesn't come from the northern ten tribes that had, even though God had said that he would be with them if they would honor him and, and serve him in the northern kingdom, they refused and instead they decided to worship the two golden calves under Jeroboam, I think it is, uh, who started that, and it went on and on. And they never did come back. So salvation was from the Jews. The Messiah was born from the tribe of Judah, Jesus of Nazareth. And you know, you know what's incredible about this? He was trying to tell her that these things from God come from the Jewish people. And you need to be aware of that. But today, theologians of today are still denying that the Bible is a book concerning the Jewish people, the covenant people of God. From Genesis to Revelation, it's, it's all there. They deny it because they're looking at it in a uh, futuristic way and certainly missing the major point. <clears throat> God starts dealing with sin in Genesis chapter 3, and he takes care of it at the end of Revelation chapter 20, and then 20, uh, the chapter that follows, 20, 21 or 22, follows with things to do about the kingdom of God. But that's the issue of the Bible. It has to do with God's people. And the last point is verse 23 about worshiping the Father in spirit and truth. And here I think is where the phraseology of the word spirit really enters in uh, to an understanding uh, that we need to know. Verse 23, for the hour is coming and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. The, the word spirit 
In fact, according, if we look at 2 Timothy 3.16, we find that um, uh, the, the breath of God is the word of God. I don't know if it'll be in, in our, our text. Yeah, every scripture inspired of God is, um, there's other uh, translations that use the idea of uh, all scripture is um, God breathed. God breathed. That's the that's the spirit issue. Yeah. Young's right. Every writing, in other words, scripture is God breathed. We have to understand that the Bible is God breathed. Well, who is God? He's spirit. Can we see the connection? Spirit, the breath effect of God and truth. What did Jesus say about truth in John 17, 17? He says, Father, your word is truth. And spirit and truth are being put on an equal basis here when we look at... um, with the uh, Greek word, I think it's chi in there. Um, and the reason that they're equal here in spirit and truth, God, the God, God breath effect and, and the very truth of being God's word is that the fact that spirit and truth here have their origin with God himself. That's the origin of these things. Spirit, truth. I don't think in is in there. Um, yeah, it's in there. It's, yeah. Another, that's how I see that. Those things, those things have an effect, and, and that's the type of worship that God requires in his kingdom. We know there were other types of worship before. I mean, they had animal sacrifices. They had uh, different sacrifices, grain offerings, all sorts of different offerings, all sorts of different celebrations, festivals, and, and things that were considered worship under the law, under the regulations for the Jewish people, the covenant people of God. Jesus is saying now what's going to be as the way he puts it. Um, Believe me, an hour cometh when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall ye worship the Father. In other words, it's coming. It's very, it's at hand. And that's just what happened. As we look at um, Verse 26. Well, actually, I want to read from verse 23 through 26, and then I'll close. Jesus said, The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit, breath effect of God, and truth, the word of God. For such doth the Father seek to be his worshipers. God is spirit, 
And they that worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman says unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, he that is called Christ. And when he is come, he will declare unto us all things. And Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am. The word he is not in there, but it's implied. <clears throat> Jesus said to her, I am he who am speaking to thee. What did that say to her? She already said he was a prophet. And now Jesus is making the proclamation that he is the Messiah. He is the one to come. He's been doing just exactly what she said the Messiah would do, explaining to her all of these things. I mean, I'm sure that she was very convinced that this man, this Jewish man, had a very good chance of being exactly who he said he was. Did she know everything at that time that she needed to know? No, she didn't know everything. But she was certainly motivated to find out. We're not going to read, read on, but she goes in, into the town and tells her story and brings people out, and they hear a few things, and Jesus stays two days in that city with them. What a blessing for those people. What a blessing. And at the end of that visit, they said to the woman, now we don't believe in who he is just because you said so. Now we know because we heard him. And that reminds me of, you know, preachers, evangelists, are supposed to preach the apostles' doctrine. The words and the preaching that the apostles preach, that is what the evangelists preach. So, but a lot of folks believe the preacher is the source of the information. Well, he's not. We go back to the apostles, and where did they get their message from? The mind of Christ. We, if we break that link, if we alter that thinking and that understanding, we lose it all. God will not allow that. This woman was on the road to salvation that would come to the Jews first and then to her people. We read Acts. We know when, when uh, the preaching went to Samaria. Because after Jesus talked to the people, they clearly said they believed the words of Jesus of Nazareth. That's who he was, Jesus of Nazareth, and they knew it. But you see, because of the things he told them, and because of his presence as a teacher, he was a very good teacher. He taught with, as one with authority. And the teachers of that day didn't seem to have any authority, apparently. That's what the scripture says. Their journey towards salvation had just begun. Much more was needed to complete 
the journey. You see, that's my problem with the group from D.C., with the Gospels. They're not telling everything they need to tell about Jesus. Like the old hymn, uh, more about Jesus, what I know. More about Jesus, more about Jesus. It's true. We need to know more. And if we're going to know more, we're going to have to not only use the Gospels and Acts, but we're going to have to read the apostolic letters that follow. We're going to need to know the Old Testament concerning God and man and the Messiah promised all the way through through the prophets and everything that was lived. Last passage, Matthew 26, verse 18. This is Jesus talking to his apostles. And he said, that is Jesus, go into the city. Um, No, Matthew 26. Matthew 26, 18. Are you a 26? Oh, 28. Uh, I got that wrong. I'm sorry. Yes. Okay. Verse 18 in chapter 28. And Jesus came to them and spake unto them, saying, that the them here, of course, is the apostles. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. is the proper word now, not world. What's the two points? Make disciples. What is that? That's the gospel preaching of the apostles. And their evangelists. The evangelists they sent out preached the gospel preached by the apostles and nothing else. The second thing, teaching them. The them is those that will believe on Christ because of the apostles' preaching. That's found in John chapter 17. Uh, You need to read the whole chapter of John 17 and find out who the them are, because that's you. To observe all, all the apostles knew would be revealed to the believers in Christ. And the all here is representative of the word of God in in the all effect of those things concerning Jesus, and salvation, and that would be, by the way, found in the Old Testament and the New, my point in all of this. Nobody can avoid any scripture for any reason. If you're going to avoid a passage, if you're going to avoid a book, if you're going to avoid something that's in the Word of God, you'd better just not do anything at all because you are definitely putting yourself in a bad position in sight of God. The oracles of God are complete. 
you don't believe so, do a study of how we got our Bible, and you'll find miracle after miracle that God, through his providence, has kept his word in the hands of men, even until this moment. Right now, somewhere, there's printing presses running full out, printing out Bibles. Whereas some of the works that men love have been forgotten and lost. Those would be our words today. Hope they are useful to you and your consideration. Our song. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.